الحمد للہ وقف وسلام اللہ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الذي خلق الموت والحياه ليبلوكم ايكم احسن عملا سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد مبارك وسلم وذكر فان الذكر تنفع المؤمنين الله سبحانه وتعالى في القران وذكر ان يو شود جيف نصيحه فان الذكر تنفع المؤمنين بيكوز جيفنج نصيحه ا جود ادفايس اند كونسل از اولويز اوف بينيفيت تو بيليفرز اند از وذ ذس انتنشن ذات وي جاذر ان ذيس جاذرينجز اوف نصيحه تو جيف ون اند اذر ذيس كونسل تو هير ذيس كونسل اند ادفايس Interesting, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi actually mentioned that one of the alamat of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, one of the signs of the coming of the end of time, is that people in the Muslim Ummah will no longer want to listen to Nasiha. They won't want to hear a good word. They won't want to hear a kind advice. They will feel like they are dragged into it, that they are forced into it. And because the reason is that they know deep down that Nasiha is something that's going to benefit their spiritual self. And they are so drowned in trying to please their nafs. They are so blinded to the reality of dunya that their heart will be turned against hearing any Nasiha about the deen. Whereas otherwise in the Hadith, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that the asal is a deen of Nasiha. That deen itself is Nasiha. And Nasiha itself is deen. The essence of deen lies in giving and receiving and listening to good counsel and advice. And good counsel and advice is entirely contained within the deen. So this is what our deen is about. And when Allah SWT said, فَإِنَّ ذِكْرَ تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ It means that no matter what our level of iman is, the person with the most fragile of iman, the last remnant drop of iman, will also benefit from Nasiha. And that person who may feel that they have a stronger iman, a more robust iman, they also benefit from Nasiha. And we have to sit here with that niyyah and that intention that we want to get that nafa, we want to get that benefit, that we have come to hear some Nasiha so that we can change. Not simply that we can listen or be amazed or be dazzled or be impressed, We are here because we want to hear something that can somehow enter into our hearts and bring us onto some everlasting, permanent, real change. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran al-Kareem has mentioned some conditions that have to be met in order for a person to benefit from nasiha, in order for a person to benefit from that good counsel and advice. First ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّ فِي ذَلَكَ لَذِكْرَ لِمَنْ كَانَ لَهُ قَلْبِ إِنَّ فِي ذَلَكَ That verily there is in this book, in this Qur'an al-Kareem, a guidance, a benefit, but for that person who has a qalb, for that person who has a spiritual heart, for that person who is willing to open up their heart to the Qur'an al-Kareem, Then this Qur'an al-Kareem will be a dhikr, here dhikr means nasiha, will be of a benefit to that person. And if we don't listen to it with our heart, if our intention is not that we want it to enter our heart, 
if we don't offer our hearts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all we offer is our ears to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then even the Qur'an al-Kareem is not going to benefit us. So the first condition is that we need to have an open heart. In this day and age, people say you have to have an open mind. It's not about the mind. It's not about an opening of the mind. The fatah, the opening that the Qur'an al-Kareem is trying to create, is an opening in the hearts of human beings Successful and smart are those human beings who open up their heart themselves and give the Quranic name that opening to enter. So the first condition is to have a qalb, is to have that open heart. Second, ayah continues, al-asama, that they have to open up their ears. They have to become people of sama, people who listen intently. And the second, wahuwa shaheed. And there are people who are intently aware and conscious to that nasihah. So they have to have a heart, they have to listen intently, and they have to be aware and conscious when receiving that nasihah. These are the three conditions that the Qur'an al-Kareem has mentioned in order for us to get that nafa, to get that benefit. In modern times, right, intently aware means to be present. To be present in body, in spirit, in mind, in heart. So these three conditions that we have, some of us may sometimes be lacking in one of these three. Sometimes some of us are lacking in two of these three. Sometimes some of us are lacking in all three of these things. So let's take number one. Alhamdulillah, all of us, just the very fact that we've chosen to come here tonight, is a proof that there is some talab in our heart. Otherwise we could easily have been sitting at home. Right? And it's quite funny that in Pakistan people have this thing uh, that they say very sarcastically that there's this big dars culture. But in Karachi you guys call it dars. Oh, you know, there's a dars culture and who's going to go to that and what's the point of going to that and who wants to go to that. And so there may be many, many people who may have gotten the same email that you did, got the same SMS that you did, got the same call that you did, but they chose not to come. And many of you would know many people, like I also know many people, in this society that they don't even come to anything. They're so far removed from anything remotely close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are people in this neighborhood and the city who have never set foot in a masjid for years, who have never put their forehead on the musalla for years, who have never even put themselves in the presence of a nasiha for years. Stay far away. Far and far away. They don't want to go anywhere near any type of nasiha. So alhamdulillah, the very fact that we have gathered here today means that there is some level of talab. So since we've come, why not increase the talab? Why not make that niyat and I'm not just coming here to see or coming here to check it out or coming here to listen. I'm coming here with a talab to change my heart. I'm coming here with a talab, a desire to make myself a lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm coming here with a talab to make myself the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To learn something, some way that will finally fix me. Something, some way that will finally change me. Something, some way that will finally transform me and bring me to my Rabb. Why not up the level since we're already here? Why should we do that? We should feel that we haven't come here, but we've been brought here. I'm not saying it because it's me. In any gathering of Nasiha, 
We haven't come here, we brought here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you enabled me to come last minute, I kind of thought I was busy. Last minute, I could have become lazy. Still, I managed to show up. Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have some irada to give me some khair. Maybe it's your will and wish that I should hear something that will bring me closer to you. And surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are fa'alun lima yurid. You are that being who ultimately and absolutely does whatever he wishes. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I am here of your irada. If your irada was sufficient to bring me at the door, if your irada was sufficient to put me in front of the speaker, Ya Allah, surely your irada is enough to open my heart. Surely your irada is enough to let your deen enter my heart. Surely your irada is enough to make ghairullah leave my heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have this hope for you, from you. Sayyidina Rasulullah said in hadith, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, as we call hadith Qudsi, Ana in the zanni abdi bi, that I'm with my servant as he views me to be. If my servant views me to be the one who will guide him, I will surely guide him. If my servant views me to be the one who is going to open his heart and help him, I will surely open his heart and help him. So we should have that niyat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we want to have come here because we want to become your murad. That we are going to assume that you brought us to this or any other gathering of deen and siha. Because you want to bestow something upon us. Not that you want to show someone or something to us. But that you want to bestow. Send your inayat, your fadl, your grace, your beneficence onto our hearts. And that is how we feel about our tradition. That this is why we are brought to a teacher. This is why we are brought to a scholar. This is why we are brought to a gathering. This is why we are brought to the masjid. This is why we are brought to the Kaaba. Because it's Allah wishes to bestow. Not even because how many of us can say we truly wish to acquire. That we truly wish to acquire deen. Therefore we showed up here on our own. But maybe Allah subhanahu truly wishes to bestow something on us. And that's why he has brought us here. So we should increase that first level. Our understanding of heart. Second condition that we mentioned was listen. Now what happens is that when you come to a gathering and you want to listen. Shaitan and the nafs come into play. What they'll try to do is they'll try to make you listen less intently. They'll try to make you think random other thoughts, random other ideas. They will try to distract you from your attention and your focus because they don't want you to hear. They don't want you to listen. And all we know famous English saying that some people come in and it's in one ear and out the other ear. That's what Shaitan and the nafs are going to want because the nafs doesn't want to change. Enough doesn't want to learn. And enough does not want to submit. So the nafs want that what I'll do is let my master take me to this place and I will see to it that I exercise my mastery over him and that when he leaves the place he should leave identical, unchanged from as he entered. We have to listen. We have to increase our way of listening. And we know this, the kuffar listen to the Prophet Wasallam. The kuffar listened to wahi in Qur'an from the Prophet ﷺ. But they didn't hear it properly. Or sometimes more properly we say they heard it, but they didn't really listen to it. They didn't absorb it. They didn't accept it. They didn't internalize it. They didn't imbibe it. So that is what the level, since we're all here, we're all going to listen. It's going to go in our ear. Might as well make the intention up the level. But I'll tell you, I'm not just here to listen. I'm here to imbibe. I'm here to absorb I'm here to suck it in. I want the deen to flow right depth to my core. I don't want it to get stuck in the ear. That is a way we can increase the second level. 
And you know, whenever you are in the sohbat, whenever we have these gatherings, so a couple of nights ago I spoke on this issue of kunu ma'as-sadiqeen, that to keep ourselves in the company of the people who are true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger than we are, there are certain ways that this sohbat is effective. The first one I've already discussed, which is listening. That we listen intently, something enters into our heart. A second way, a second way is when we look intently. This is in Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran that there are people, إِذَا رُؤُوا اللَّهِ That when they are gazed upon, we are reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they are speaking, they are putting their every emotion into their message. And sometimes the izhar of that emotion comes on their countenance. So not only do we listen intently, we look intently. You will find that the people are taught to look intently at the speaker. This is part of our deen. Because by looking, something can also be transferred. And the third way things are transferred in Sohbat are what we call heart to heart. Like you say in Urdu, Dil ki baat, dil par Right? Dil ki baat, dil par So it means that one is from tongue to ear. The second is from face to face. This is called tawajju in Arabic. From waj. Waj means a person's face. Tawajju means to go face to face, to focus on a person. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu in a very famous hadith in Bukhari used to say that I wish for the tawajju of Sayyidina Rasulullah I wish that he would look at me while I would be looking at him. Allahu Akbar kibina. And the third thing is from heart to heart. So to try to make that connection between hearts, that is the third way that things are transferred in these gatherings of sohbat and nasihah. We are people who are completely the opposite. We are people who put ourselves in the sohbat of the media. Don't you see? That the person when they're in front of the screen, they're listening to it so intently that they can't hear anything else. They're listening to that headphone so intently that they can't hear anything else. They're watching that so intently. There's sort of a joke in America, you put your, <laughs> pass your hand in front of them. What we say in English, their eyes are glued to the screen. They're watching it so, boy, same sifat, but being used for something else, that they watch that media so intently, they're barely able to blink. And they open up their heart to that media so intently that the messages and the emotions and the feelings and the teachings of that media enter into their heart. So every human being is doing this. Every human being is putting themselves in sohbat. Every human being is doing that sohbat by the listening and the looking and the heart. Now it's up to us if we want to do that sohbat and nasiha from the deen and the gatherings of deen. Or do you want to do that sohbat and nasiha with ghairullah and the gatherings of the remembrance of ghairullah? That's simply the choice that we have to make. Now in the Qur'an al-Kareem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this attribute of sama as the attribute, the characteristic of the Ahl jannah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about them, uh, describes their attribute in Qur'an. الَّذِينَ يَسْتَعُونَ الْقَوْلَ وَيَتَّبِعُونَ أَحْسَنَ That they are the people يَسْتَمِعُونَ istima, intent type of sama. There were the people who deeply listened and imbibed and absorbed the all of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When somebody would sit in front of them and say, Qala Allahu ta'ala and recite Qur'an, they would listen to it and absorb it into their heart. 
And what they would follow it in the best and noblest of ways and manners. People of ittiba, they listen with the niyat of amal. They listen because they wanted to follow. They weren't people who just heard, they were people who did. They were people of practice. And they doing and practicing was of the most noble of ways. In contrast, this is the Ahl Jannat. In contrast, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the people of Jahannam and describes them as they will be asked. It's in the Quran, they will be asked, Alam yaktakum al-nadir? Did not some caller come to you? Did not some warner come to you? Did not some admonisher come to you? Did not a person of nasiha come to you? And the ayah continues and they give a sort of a little bit of a long response and then they conclude, that if only and only we had listened to them, if only and only we had been people of sama, we heard but we didn't listen. And then the Quran came, oh naqilu, this is akum in Quran, or if only and only we were people who realized and understood, that is akum. If only we had been people who had listened, and if only people we were realized and understood, yani that the haqiqa, the truth and reality of everything lies in the deen and the teachings of the deen and the way of the deen and following and submitting to the deen of Islam. If only we had understood that this was the best nasiha for us. If only we understood that this was the advice and way that we should wrap in our heart, that we should bind our life to, that we should ascribe to. If only we had understood then what would happen? وَمَا كُنَّ فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ Then we would not have been amongst the people of Jahannam. So even the people of Jahannam are going to say, it was about suhma, it was about nasiha, it was about listening and understanding and following and doing, and because we didn't do those things, that's why we ended up over here. Allah Akbar So our deen is all about nasiha, and all of the virtuous things of deen, nasiha, are going to lie in our deen. Now what happened is shaitan. So first was nafs, now shaitan. Shaitan wants to design a system in which people are away from nasiha. The one example was media, right? There's a second example. What shaitan is going to try to do is he's going to try to have a system of deen that is designed that is devoid of nasiha. That people should try to have a concept of deen that is empty of nasiha. In this day and age in English, some people call this moderate Islam. Some people call it liberal Islam. I'm going to call it nasiha free Islam. That you can be a Muslim, but you neither need to listen to any nasiha, nor do you need to change your nafs according to any nasiha, nor do you need to follow any nasiha, nor do you need to submit your heart to any nasiha. But otherwise, you can listen and talk about Islam and talk about it academically and intellectually and over coffee and on the TV show and do tabsar on the TV show. And that is going to be your Islam. Nasiha free deen. Like you have sugar free Pepsi, right? Haha, <laughs> sugar free Pepsi. Nasiha free deen. Like you have diet Pepsi. And as I call this, diet Islam. Diet Islam. There's a very famous joke in America about Diet Pepsi, and that is that somebody goes to a McDonald's counter and says that I'll take a Big Mac 
large fries, supersize it, and a Diet Pepsi. Right? And what does it mean? It means that Diet Pepsi is a delusion. That person thinks by dropping down from Pepsi, downgrading from Pepsi to Diet Pepsi, they can get away with eating a Big Mac and a Super Sars fries. Which as all of you know, the amount of saturated fat and cholesterol and that stuff, you're not going to have any real savings by going for the Diet Pepsi. Just like that, the person who is on Diet Islam thinks that this Nasiha-free Islam is going to enable me to indulge in sin. Just like the person who drinks Diet Pepsi thinks that that can let him indulge in eating the Big Mac and the fries, the person on the Diet Islam thinks that if I have this type of Islam, then I can keep doing my sins. That's why the nafs loves Nasiha-free Islam. Nafs ki mercy puri or insan bhi ke mere bhi Not possible. Actually, what we need is sin-free Islam. Sin-free life. Guna se paak zindagi. That's really what we should be after. That's really what we should be staying away from. Not staying away from Nasiha. We have to be staying away from sin. We have to be staying away from the people of sin. From the opportunity of sin. And try to plug ourselves in to a program of Nasiha. Now this summer that takes place due to this, in this Nasiha, this is also done by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This also in Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Quran that whenever he has the irada to help someone, when he has the irada to do hidayah on someone, he opens up their summer. khayra. That whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the irada, the will and the wish and desire to send khair and good and virtue upon a person, la'asma'ahum, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself makes the summer reach them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself unkubu khabar pancha Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up their listening power himself. And that is our dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if the control to our heart is ultimately in your hands, in other words, it means that you also have the control to your heart. You can unlock it if you want. And if for some reason we're too weak to unlock it, then we can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah, you can unlock the locks that I'm unable to unlock. You can unlock that lock that I have set on my heart. That lock that is so set on my heart that I've even forgotten its key or combination. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you can accept my tawbah, if you can accept my repentance, you can unlock this lock on my heart. And this is what happens when a person sincerely listens to Nasiha. And when they do that, what happens? So this is what Sayyidina Sussan said, Isma'u wa ati'u, that you must listen and obey. There's no gap. There's no time delay. It's an absolute, it's like a one-two step. Listen and obey. And that is what we try to present to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to get His mercy. Sami'na wa ata'na ghufranaka. So we realize that there are three things. That in or, once we listen and we obey, then now, now we are people who can legitimately ask for the maghfirah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When can that ghufranaka statement happen? After sami'na and after ata'na. 
Ya Allah, we have listened, we have obeyed. Ufranaka rabbaka wal rabbana wa alayhim masir. Ufranaka rabbana wa ilaykal masir. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are going, we ask for your maghfra and we're going to be fleeing towards you. Our destination is you. We are walking towards you. So when we listen and then we obey, it's then that we get the maghfrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now I will tell you something that's very easy to listen to. You're not always going to have a speaker to listen to. I'm going to tell you something that is extremely easy to listen to. Easy in the sense that you have access to it 24 hours a day. And that is to listen to our own conscience. To listen to our own heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, فَأَلْحَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَّقْوَاهَا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent ilham on every human being, on the nafs, the self and soul of every human being, and has inspired it and taught it what is right and wrong. It's here. The biggest mufti in terms of right and wrong, maybe not halal and haram in a legal technical sense, but in terms of vice and virtue, in terms of right and wrong, in terms of morality and depravedness, depravity, is your own heart, your own conscious. And today, we have become such that we are deaf even to our own conscience. We have closed our ears to even our own heart. Sometimes we are doing something, and the noor that is in our heart is screaming out to us. It's calling out to us. What are you doing? And we feel it. We feel it. You feel it. You feel the sting, the little pain in your heart. And you stamp it out. That's what we do. You snuff it out. You snuff out your own conscience. Now you tell me that person who snuffs out his own conscience... Is that person's heart going to be soft and open for the Qur'an al-Kareem? Is that person's heart going to be soft and open for the Sunnah of Nabi al-Kareem? We snuff out our own conscience. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Therefore then that person, the more the more they snuff out their own conscience, that person stays away from the Siyah. No longer listening to call Allah Ta'ala. No longer listening to call Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Many times we tell you that once a young man went to a sheikh and said, Sheikh, make dua for me. I'm very worried. Sheikh said, okay, what happened? He said, sheikh, I think my heart has fallen numb. I think my heart is sleeping. And sheikh said, what makes you think that? And he said that because when you say the words of Quran, you say, call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you say the words of Nabi Akram, you say, Kala Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It has no effect on me. I'm immune. I'm desensitized. I'm numb. So Shaykh told him, Oh young man, don't be worried just that your heart is sleeping. You should instead be worrying that your heart is dead. Because when something is sleeping, when you shake it, it wakes up. If your heart was sleeping when I recite the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the words of the Blessed Messenger وسلم, you would wake up. If notwithstanding that your heart is still not responding, then it may not mean that it's sleeping. It may mean that your heart is dead. 
So we have to try to become a listener to our own heart. And if a person listens to the Zahir Nasiha, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enable them to listen to their Batan Nasiha. If a person listens to an outward apparent manifest Nasiha, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open that person's heart and enable that person to listen to their own inner conscience, their fitrah, their own inherent human nature and calling of taqwa and iman. That person will be able to listen to their own inner heart's love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the seed of the Muhammad for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is planted in the heart of every insan. If we listen to that zahir nasiha, we can open up that button of our heart. And that means then, if we stay away from that zahir nasiha, then we're going to remain closed, we're going to remain deaf to that button of our heart. Don't you see, what we rather like to do is listen to the nasiha and praise. So somebody prays once or twice a day, somebody prays two, three, four times a day, and he thinks there's absolute certainty that I'm a pious person. And, he thinks, and everybody agrees. People say that. Everybody around me says I'm a great guy. Everybody around me says I'm a great person. I have friends who like me. I have colleagues who like me. I have an employer and a boss who likes me. I have employees who like me. He thinks like what we would say in Islam, there's an ijma. <laughs> there's an ijma, an agreement that I'm a likable person. He doesn't realize that there's one entity that is doing ikhtilaf. His own conscience. <laughs> That is the power of our conscience. Our conscience is that part of us that can never lie. Our conscience is that part of it that doesn't take any bribe, no rishwat. You can't bribe your own heart to lie about you. It's the most true, the most sincere witness as to who and what we really are. That's why sometimes our mashayikh say, that when When you look into your heart, what in English we call introspection, when you engage in introspection, you realize what you really are. And a lot of us, we don't like to hear that. Just like we don't like to hear the Zahir Nasihat, we don't like to hear the Batin Nasihat. We don't like to know what real difficulty that we are in. So we have to follow this Nasihat and make ourselves people of Amal. This whole human experience our human self, our human body, our time, all of it is in loan from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're on loan. This time is not given to us forever. This lifespan is not going to be with us forever. This is a loan. Now you will see whenever a person has something that is on loan, what they try to do is they maximize the benefit from that in the most minimum amount of time possible. In the good old days, somebody would borrow a book and what they would make sure is that they know this book is on loan, so we need to read this book and get as much as we can from this book before we give it back. 
before it is taken back from us. The Quran Al-Kareem is a book that we have been given in this world on loan. If we make the maximum effort to take the maximum benefit from this Quran, then we will be given this Quran for all of eternity in the Akhirah. Otherwise, it will be taken back from us. Allah Akbar. Abita, at least you're happy that I have Quran in my home. If you don't make it into Jannah, you will be living in an abode where you have no Quran, no Musaf taken back from you because we didn't fail to live up to it. We didn't fail to submit to it. We didn't take the maximum benefit from it when it was unknown. Anytime we have anything unknown, you borrow something from someone, your students borrow a laptop from someone, you quickly, you type away, type that paper because maybe he'll ask for it back. Maximum benefit in minimum amount of time. This life is a loan from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to start thinking maximally. We have to become people who try to maximize the benefit from each and every moment of our time before we pass away and before we die. And it's time. How are you going to do that? You have to make effort. Allah says in Quran that no human being will get anything unless they make effort for it. No benefit to life without effort. In other words, it's time to become people of mujahidah. It's time to become people who exert themselves, strive in the path of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِيْنَا لَنَحْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبَلَنَا That those people who strive and exert themselves in the way of our pleasure, لَنَحْدِيَنَّهُمْ Certainly and surely we will guide them and open to them the paths that lead towards us. If you become a person of mujahidah, then you get mushahidah. If sometimes people say, you know, I don't understand Allah. I can't experience Allah. You can't get that mushahidah without mujahidah. You're not going to get that connection without effort. You're not going to get that qulub, that ta'luk, that intimate nearness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without effort. It's going to take mujahidah. And if we don't have that mujahidah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but instead we use all our effort for this dunya, we do mujahidah for ghairullah, then all of your mushahidah will be for ghairullah. All of your witnessing, all of your experiences will all be of ghairullah. Or like we mentioned to you last night, all of your lutf and lazat will be from ghairullah. You won't get the lutf and lazat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of his names is Al-Latif, the being of intimate pleasure. Meaning the being, if you connect yourself to him, you will feel a lutf, the like of which you have never ever felt. Unparalleled lutf. It's going to take mujahidah. But if instead, we all of our effort and exertion is on this world, then we will know the pleasures of this world. So imagine what type of life is that? کس قسم کی زندگی ہے کہ انسان دنیا کی لذتوں سے واقف ہوتے رہے ہوتے رہے اور اللہ سبحانہ وتعالی کا قرب اور معرفت کبھی واقف ہی نہیں رہا یہ زندگی کا نام نہیں یہ شرمندگی This is not life, this is shame This is not bliss, this is abomination This is not happiness, this is tragedy
It's the greatest tragedy. The mu'min who doesn't feel the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a real epic tragedy. Allahu Akbar. We have to become people of mujahida, and only then will we become people of mushahida. And mujahida means a'mal salih. That we have to become people of alladhina amanu and wa'amilu salihat. And it's one thing that I've always seen. You will never find people in diet Islam or in these all these new ideological movements who are people of amal salih. Never. I've never found. And I interact with them frequently and meet with them frequently. I've never found any one of them who is a person of tahaj, regular tahajjud, regular nafil ibadat, regular tilawat quran regular istighfar, regular durud and salawat. All of these things are in Quran. They're part of deen. You can't take that out of deen. No matter how much you're trying to take sins out of deen, you can't take amal out of deen. I've never found a person of amal salih within these groups. That was the biggest evidence for me when I was in America, growing up in Islam, every type of variety of Islam was there. Every type of progressive, modernist, you name it. It was there. And when you're growing in Islam, you don't have the ilm to understand at an ilmi level what is right or not. You don't always know. Somehow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put this in my heart to let me go and find who are the people who have the amal of the deen. Who are the tahajjud people? Who are the Quran readers? Who are the people of mujahida? Who are the people of istighfar? Who are the people of durud and salawat? And I found all these movements entirely empty of even one such person. And more strikingly, they were empty of even one such person who even invites to these things. And I realized that, look, the Quran has come to create a person of these amal, of these sifat. So I will take my understanding of the Quran, of the deen, from that person who seems to have been affected by the Quran and the deen. I will take my iman and become alladhina amanu from that person who has successfully done step two and is already completed wa amilu salihat. That was that simple. And then everything became so clear to me. We have to become people of amal. We have to become people who strive. And Allahu Akbar, the early Muslims used to make so much mujahida for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They used to enjoy doing ibadat. They used to enjoy doing amal salih One story will give you Rabia Basriya. A waliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A true ashika sadika of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A mujahida. And why? Because she had some deep, ugly understanding? No. Everybody accepts Rabia Basriya as a woman of Allah. Why? Because she was in person, a woman of a'mal, a person of mujahada. She used to worship all night. And when in the middle of the night, sometimes she would get tired. And sometimes she would fall asleep. She would start nodding asleep. Her eyes would start to close. So then she would stop and she would make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Akbar. She used to make dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min aynin la tashma'u min an Allahu Akbar. And ya Allah, I seek refuge in you from that eye that is not getting its full of sleep. 
اللہ تعالیٰ میں آپ سے اس آم کی پناہ دیتی ہوں جس کی نیند ہی پوری نہیں ہوتی اللہ سچ عشق سچ مجاہدہ محبت جن لوگوں نے اپنے آپ کو اس رنگ میں ڈھانپ لیا اللہ تعالیٰ کی قرب اور ولایت کو پا دیا اللہ nothing other than pure and simple a'mal salih pure righteous deeds done sincerely and only for his pleasure and out of his love salih Allahu Akbar even the word 
ایون یو سی دٹ before we are faced with old age. When a person is young, and youth in Islam is normally held to be up till 40, which is viewed as the peak of youth, and then youth lasts till 60. In other words, sometimes people think that youth lasts till 40. The actual is that youth peaks at 40. From 40 to 60, you have a plateau, and from 60 down, you become sheikh. <laughs> And they say in Arabic, Shaykh means in this sense, right, a person of old age. So almost everyone here is below 60. And many of us are, alhamdulillah, still below 40. So do qadr. What does it mean to do qadr? I don't know if they just define what youth is. The Prophet is not saying, understand the meaning of youth. Do qadr of youth. Do qadr of the vitality and power and energy that youth entails and use that for amal salih Use your youth to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Susam said that there will be seven types of people who will get the shade of the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, on that day in which there is no shade. And amongst them, one category is those who exerted themselves in their youth to make themselves pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah the Arab poets used to say that, oh young man and woman, if you have not accomplished anything by the age of 20, you will never accomplish anything at all. That's how much, that was the qadr of youth. That's why I'm telling you this poem. That's how much they valued and understood and esteemed the power of youth. Imagine that nation, that ummah that was raised on such poetry. That was the ummah that had the height of civilization. That was the golden period of Islam. They valued their youth. Yes, we may have to use a portion of our youth to study. We may have to use a portion of our youth to work and earn. But there must also be a portion of our youth that is devoted to earning the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third thing Sayyidina Rasulullah said is to value your free time before you become busy. And alhamdulillah, you and me, we have a lot of free time on our hands. People say in English, I have time to kill. <laughs> I've got so much time on my hands and break. I've got time to kill. What are you doing? Killing time. What are you doing? Passing time. No, no, no. Time is killing you. Slowly but surely, you're not killing time. Time is killing you. Allah Taala swears by time, invokes the zamana itself, the creator of time, the master of time, swears himself by his creation at that which he has mastery over, that know that due to this creation of mine of time, that humanity are in a state of utter loss, 
that this time is passing on them, that this time is slowly but surely killing them. Who is not being killed by time? The person of erudition? No. The person of scholarship? No. The person of philosophy? No. The person of ideology? No. The person of amal? The person who is doing amal is salih? The person who is doing righteous deeds and acts? He is killing time. Anyone else, time is killing them. All about amal. Value our time, our free time, before we become too busy, before some difficulty comes upon you, before you're too occupied to do anything anymore. And then you will see and ask those of us who are getting in our years, you will have hasrat, you will have regret. And you can never get even a single second of that time back. There is not even a single millisecond of time that we can reclaim for ourselves and redo. You cannot redo. I'll tell you one nukta. You cannot redo, but Allah SWT has given us one incredible ability. You can undo. This is called Tawbah. If you do Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enable you to undo all of the awful things that we did. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will redo. If you undo, Allah ta'ala will redo. If you undo your sins through Tawbah, Allah ta'ala will redo them for you as Salihat. Allah says in Quran that He will change your bad deeds, your Sayyat, into Hasanat if you do Tawbah. Allahu Akbar Kabir. Subhanallah wa bihamdi Subhanallah al-Azim. This is Allah Arhamar Rahimin. We have to value our time. Spend it in Amal. Spend it in Tawbah. We also, not only do we delay our Amal, we also delay our Tawbah. Allahu Akbar Kabir. We don't do Tawbah now, we say we do Tawbah later. Let me do this sin one last time. That's how it starts. One last time, then we say one more time. That's what happens when you delay Tawbah. So when you delay something, it doesn't stay with you. When you delay Tawbah, your heart may not no longer feel to do Tawbah in the future. You feel like doing Tawbah now, don't delay it for tomorrow. You realize something is sin now, don't do it one last time. Don't do it one more time. You must nip that evil in the bud. You must cut that cancerous sin immediately from our life. We must take advantage and seize the moment. This is what they say in English. About some worldly accomplishment. Seize the moment. Allah Akbar. The Sahabi Karam used to seize the moment. Seize the moment Iman. Seize the moment Badr. Seize the moment Jihad. Seize the moment Taqwa. Seize the moment of the night Tahajjud. Seize the moment of the night day Amal. They seized every moment. Every single moment. 
Every day of their lives was like Yawm al-Arafah. And every night of their lives was like Laylatul Qadr. Because they seized the moment. We must become people who seize the moment. Use our free time before we become busy. The fourth thing Sayyidina Rasulullah said is that we should do Qadr. We should value our, not technically wealth, we should value our stable financial situation before any financial difficulty should come upon us. We should value the stability and peace and tranquility that having a roof over our head. And you and me are people who have several rooms to live in. There are people on this earth who have no home to live in. There are many millions of people on this earth who live in one room. Me and you live in multiple rooms. Every single one sitting here today lives in a multi-room dwelling. There are people today who have nothing to eat. There are people today who have one thing to eat. Every single person sitting here today has a multi-dish meal. Maybe not every time, but if they ever want it, they have it. You feel like having something, you send your servant to get that juice. Whatever you feel like, you order it. You want this food, you want that food, you want that beverage, you want that dessert. Within minutes it comes to you. Allahu Akbar Kameen. Such financial stability, such financial ease. Do qadr of it. Lest financial want should ever overcome you. How to do qadr of it? Amal. You've been freed up due to your financial stability to do amal. If ever a financial difficulty comes on you, you won't have a moment in your life for amal when that difficulty comes upon you. That poor man who has to work two, three jobs a day, he does hasrat that if only I had some time I would do ibadat. And us, we have all the time that he has hasrat for. Every single moment that he has hasrat for, we have every one of those moments. And we don't use it for amal. We don't use it for ibadat. Allahu Akbar Kameer. Value our financial comfort. Do qadr of that by becoming a person of amal. Before financial difficulty overcomes us. And the fifth of the five things that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that we should value before another one is to value our health before illness overcomes us. Don't you see that person who is sick, who has a permanent illness, a condition, have a heart condition, they cannot eat what they want. They have a heart condition. They can't walk up the stairs to visit their son. They have a digestive condition. They have difficulty traveling long distances. So many types of conditions. Value your health before illness overcomes you. How? How do we do color of our health? Amal. That person who can, has bad knees and can no longer do sajda, does hasrat, that, oh, I wish I could fall into sajda to my Rabb. And those of us who have every ability to do sajda have no 
we don't use enough of those moments to fall in sajda to our love. That person who has to go on a wheelchair in tawaf, does hasrat tikash and maybe chilta is gar kirt Value your health. Use that health to do amal before illness overtakes us. And you and me, Allahu Akbar Kabira, we are people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, listen to this carefully, we are people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given each and every one of these five things. Almost all of us, illa mashallah, are people who have youth, are people who have life, are people who have youth, who have people who have time, who have people who have stability financially, and are people who have health. We have all five of these ni'mats. In other words, we're leading a prime time of our life. We're in the prime of our life, in a prime state, in a prime of our health, with a prime amount of time. Allah. And if you look at our amal, far from prime, far from excellent, far from ideal, far from abundant, far from good quality. The prime and height of these five netmats and the bottom abyss of our amal. Allahu Akbar Kabir. And then we talk about balance. This is balance. This is where you're supposed to find the balance. The prime of our ni'mat should be balanced by the prime amal. This is our deen. This is why me and you exist. This is why these ni'mat were given to us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give us this life for ghaflat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give us this youth for ghaflat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give us this health for ghaflat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give us this financial stability for ghaflat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us all of this, all of these ni'mats for shukr, for sabr, for amal, for ibadat, for muhammad ilahi, for ishq rasul. That's why all of these ni'mats were given to us. And that's how we have to use each and every one of these ni'mats. There's an Arabic saying, Al-waqtu min dhahamin wa fizza. Time is of silver and gold. And you know, there are these stories of our ulama and mashayikh that did qadr of their time. And you know, sometimes people listen to these stories and they think that, you know, these are Sufi stories. What these stories are. Imam al one of the great mufassir Quranic commentators of our deen, he wrote Tafsir al-Razi, that later people used to call a tafsir al-kabir. Allah Akbar. 15, 20, 25 volumes of tafsir. And he used to say to his students that I have hasrat over the time that I spend drinking and eating. I wish even that somehow I didn't have to do and I would spend that in ilm also. Allah Akbar kabira. Already maximized the time of his life. Was a monumental person in our deen. But still has hasrat even wanted to spend more time. And a very famous story about a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was seen once by a person, 
It's very poor. In those times, poor people used to just have barley, which you call sattu. In the Arab world, they used to have this thing called barley, which you call sattu. And he was eating dry sattu, or dry barley, khush sattu. So somebody asked him, the sheikh, at least you also have water. Why not stir this up in with some water and drink it? It'd be easier. So he said that I have calculated the time that it would take for me to get the water, put the sattu in the water, stir the water so that it dissolves up to some extent. And in that time, I calculated that I can say subhanallah 70 times. So I thought to myself that I can either do this or I can do this. So I chose this. I'd rather say subhanallah 70 times. And I've been doing this for the past two years. Allahu Akbar Kabeerah. Now people say that, you know, this is some Sufi story. And how are we going to do that? You do it. But you do it for something else. You do it. But you do it for something else. You're a business owner. It's season. When people buy your shops, you stop eating. You tell your wife, now, I don't have time to eat. The season is. Itna logang in the The politicians for 70 votes, period, in their season, door to door, place to place, no one eating, eating on the go at best, skipping meals. Why? For some votes. The businessman and entrepreneur, profit maximization. In that name, doing it, maximizing their time for the sake of the dunya. We do do it. But we don't do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These were people who were people of amal maximization, deen maximization, ishq maximization. They used to value their time. If only we could learn to value our time in such a way. And you know, it comes in a day that in Jannah, which is the place, Darul Falah, Darul Surur, Darul Salam, the place of happiness, the place of bliss, the place of peace, comes in a day that the Ahlul Jannah will have one hasra, one slight type of regret in their heart. So Sayyidina said, لا يتفكروا أهلوا الجنة إلا على ساعة ملت به لم يذكر اسم الله تعالى فيه that the people of Jannah will not have any worry or any hasrat over any single thing except that those moments of their life which they passed without the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even in Jannah, it would be hasrat that we didn't use our time maximally. That we didn't spend even more time in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should want that we should do color of our time. That we should spend our time carefully. That we should view each and every moment of our life as a precious gem and jewel. That we should try to fill our time and adorn our time with any and all types of amal and vigor for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our gathering here together tonight is a blessing. Ya subhanahu wa ta'ala, maybe we spent some minutes 60 minutes for you and for your sake. If perhaps you can accept this time of ours, 
How? By making us, accepting us for using more time in your sake. For more time in your remembrance. For more time in your worship. For more time in the khidmat of your deen. And the thing that's keeping us back is our sin. And what we have to do is spend part of our time doing what we call muhasaba. Like Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa karamallahu wajhu said, Hasibu kabla antu hasibu. You must call yourself to account before Allah subhanahu wa takes you to account. And we have to do this and we have to take out some time. So I'm, I'm concluding now with some practical things. Some short, quick things to use our time on. Because it doesn't take a lot of time to do this mahasaba. <laughs> You don't have to sit for hours and assess yourself on a daily basis. A few minutes a day to do this muhasaba. To look inside ourselves. To assess ourselves. To see what were the things that I did in this day that are wrong. And what we have to do is we have to learn to look at our own faults and stop noticing the faults of others. To forgive others' faults and to stop forgiving ourselves for our own faults. We are the most forgiving when it comes to our own faults. And we are absolutely unforgiving when it comes to an other's faults. And in fact, sometimes we have just a feeling, a probability that somebody is wrong, and we're ready to do ilzam on them, whereas we have yakin that we have flaws, and we don't do ilzam on our own nafs. We have a feeling that somebody has something that is wrong. We're willing to stick, we stop our muhabbat for them. A person does a small slip and mistake and we stop our muhabbat for them. Our nafs does so many sins and we don't stop our muhabbat for it. So we should spend a few minutes a day doing muhasaba. We should spend a few minutes a day putting ourselves in the court of our conscience. اپنے آپ کو اپنے ضمیر کی عدالت میں پیش کرو تو سہی چند لمحے سے مگر روز پیش کرو پرزینٹ یور سیلف ان دا کورٹ آف یور ضمیر ڈونٹ پرزینٹ یور سیلف ان دا کورٹ آف سم آئیڈیالوجی اور موومنٹ دے تو آپ کے شاباش دیں گے انہوں تو آپ کو بابا کہنا ہے دے وانٹ یو نو پٹ یور سیلف ان دا کورٹ آف یور ہارٹ ایوری سنگل ڈے few moments, small ways to spend our time. What does it mean to put yourself in your conscience? It means, try to think that I want to look at myself the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at me. That's what subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. The subhanahu does not look at your countenance and your outward things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at your inner self, your inner heart. So reflect and try to see, let me take a look at that which Allah Ta'ala sees. Second thing, is to spend a few moments of our time in our day in istighfar and tawbah to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So reflect upon the faults, put ourselves in the court of our conscience, and then spend a few moments even in turning to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in istighfar and tawbah, in seeking forgiveness for those faults, in repenting for those faults. And you just have to make a niyyah, 
something we don't understand. But look, what, what's going to happen when you do this? Your nafs is going to tell you. जब आप अपने अंदर झांकेंगे ना तो नस भी अंदर ही ना तो जमीर तो आपको बता देगा कि आप कितने पानी में हैं नस भी फौरन बोल पड़ेगा क्या कहेगा कि आप अपने आप से इस पानी से निकाल नहीं सकते नस भी फौरन बोलेगा मोमेंट ऑफ इंट्रोस्पेक्शन योर हार्ट विल टेल यू अप फ्रंट ब्लंट अनसेंसर्ड रिपोर्ट of the problem is that you're in and immediately when you then you are going to be inclined to make istin far october immediately your nafs will speak up and say you won't be able to leave it yeah you are in it this is the last battle of the nafs you mean realize that you found out about him and how much trouble he's gotten you into then you say yeah but you can't leave me that's what the nafs means means aap mujhe to nahi chhod sakte So then what you have to think is that you have to make niyat and your istighfar and tawbah. The Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, maybe the nafs is right. Ho sakta. Maybe right now at this moment when I'm going to make istighfar and tawbah to you, although I'm true in my heart in this feeling of repentance, I'm not yet strong to follow through and I may fall down again. But it doesn't matter. Because I'm going to make this niyat in my heart. I'm going to make this intention and desire in my heart. that I'm going to do tawbah anyway. I'm going to try anyway. I'm going to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anyway. And Ya Allah, you're a tawab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, Ana tawabun rahim. Allah akbar kabira. Ana, I, a tawabun rahim, am the one who will accept and elevate your tawbah. Why? Ar-Rahim, out of my mercy. It is my mercy that is going to ignite the flame of your tawbah such that it will extinguish your nafs and the way your nafs takes you to sin. All you have to do is ignite the pilot light of your tawbah. And I'm a tawab. I will ignite the flame of your tawbah. Allah Akbar Kabira. So on the day of judgment, we can say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Ya Allah, niyat to me ne ki te. Tawbah to me karta raha. अगरचे में गुना भी करता रहा तोबा भी करता रहा गुना करता था फिर तोबा की अल्लाह ताला में नेक नहीं बन सका पूरी दुनिया में नियत और तमन्ना थी नेक बनने की मैंने ना कभी तमन्ना छोड़ा माए मैंने कभी नियत छोड़ी मैंने ना कभी तोबा छोड़ा ना आपका डर को छोड़ा तो अगरचे आज सामने आ रहा है कि मैंने कभी गुना भी नहीं छोड़ा या अल्लाह मैंने आपके दामन को भी कभी नहीं छोड़ा ये कहना ऐसे जीना दैट इज हाउ वी यूज अवर टाइम तो हु एवर इन दिस वर्ल्ड मैं एक आखिरी बात आपको बताता हूं जो आपने हमने अपने बड़ों से सुना है जो इस सब का नचोर और हासिल और लुब्बी लुबाब है वो ये है कि जो इस दुनिया में अपने आप को अल्लाह ताला का दोस्त बनाने की कोशिश करता है अगर वो उस दोस्ती की सिफात पर पूरा नहीं आ सका अगर वो उस दोस्ती के तकाजे पर पूरा नहीं आ सका मगर उसने अपनी पूरी जिंदगी अपने आप को अल्लाह ताला दोस्त की बनाने की कोशिश की पूरी जिंदगी इसकी दिल की तमन्ना था कि मैं अल्लाह ताला की दोस्त बन जाऊं तो फिर अल्लाह तला कभी भी क्यामत के दिन उसके अपने दुश्मनों को फेरस में नहीं खड़ा करेंगे
یہ اللہ تعالیٰ کی رحمت سے بعید ہے اللہ تعالیٰ الحم الراہمین ہے اللہ تعالیٰ قرآن میں فرماتے ہیں ان اللہ حب التوابین کہ میں اپنے گناگار مؤمنین جو مجھ سے توبہ کرتے ہیں میں خود ان سے محبت والا دوستی کرتا ہوں میں خود ان کو اپنا محبوب بنانا چاہتا ہوں اللہ سبحانہ تعالیٰ ہم سب کو اس توبہ کی نیت کے لیے قبول فرمائے ہمیں بھی اس کی دوستی کی تلاش میں جینے کے لیے قبول فرمائے اور ہمیں بھی اس دوستی کی رنگ اور جلک عطا فرمائے وہ آخر دعوانہ الحمد للہ رب العالمی دعا کیجیے سبحان ربی الحب اللہ صلی اللہ سیدنا محمد والا علی سیدنا محمد مبارک وسلم ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا و علم تکفلنا و ترحمنا لنکونن من الخاسرین ربنا یا اللہ یا رب کریم یا اللہ آپ نے ہمیں ہر نعمت سے نوازا یا اللہ آپ نے حیات ہمیں دیا شباب ہمیں دیا یا رب کریم آپ نے صحت سے نوازا دولت سے نوازا وقت کی فرصت نصیب فرمائے قرآن کریم عطایا ایمان کی دولت نصیب فرمائے ظلمنا انفسنا یا اللہ ہم نے خود ان نعمتوں کی قدردانی نے کی ہم نے خود اپنے آپ پر ظلم کر لیا یا اللہ ہمیں اس ظلم سے معاف فرما ہمیں اس ظلم سے پاک فرما یا اللہ اس ناقدردانی سے بچا یا رب کریم ہمیں بھی اپنا قدردان مؤمن بنا ہمیں بھی اپنا قدردان مسلم بنا یا رب کریم ہمیں بھی وقت کی قدردانی نصیب فرما یا اللہ ہم خود بھی نہیں جانتے کہ ہم نے کتنا قیمتی وقت ضائع کیا ہے ہم نے کتنے لمحات ضائع کیے ہیں ہم نے کتنے سالوں ضائع کیے ہیں یا اللہ ہم اب آپ کے پاس آتے ہیں ہم آپ کی طرف آنا چاہتے ہیں یا اللہ ہمیں قبول فرما ہمیں بھی اپنا بنا یا رب کریم ہم غیر و بن کر رہ رہے تھے ہم دوسروں کے پیچھے جا رہے تھے یا اللہ ہم دنیا کے دھوکے میں پھنسے ہوئے تھے یا اللہ مگر ہم اب ہم آپ کے بننا چاہتے ہیں ہم آپ سے آپ کی سوال لے کر آتے ہیں ہم آپ سے آپ ہی مانگتے ہیں اللہ اللہ ہم آپ سے آپ کا تعلق چاہتے ہیں آپ سے آپ کا قرب مانگتے ہیں آپ سے آپ کی یاد مانگتے ہیں یا اللہ ہمیں بھی وہ دل نصیب فرما جو آپ کی یاد سے بڑی بھی ہو ہمیں بھی وہ دل نصیب فرما جو آپ کی محبت سے لبریز ہو یا رب کریم ہمارے دلوں سے غیر اللہ کی محبت نکال دیجیے ہمارے دلوں سے غیر اللہ کی تعلق نکال دیجیے یا اللہ آپ بس ہمارے سینے میں آ دیجیے اپنی رحمت برسا دیجیے یا رب کریم ہمارے لیے مجاہدہ کرنا ہے بڑا مشکل کام مگر یا اللہ آپ کو ہمیں اس مجاہدے لیے قبول کرنا آپ کے لیے تو بہت آسان کام یا رب کریم ہمیں بھی اعمال سالے کی توفیق عطا فرما ہمیں بھی اعمال کی طرف رغبت نصیب فرما ہمیں بھی اعمال کی لذت لطف نصیب فرما یا رب کریم ہم دنیا کی لذت سے توبت کرتے ہیں دنیاوی لطف سے توبہ کرتے ہیں یا اللہ ہم اپنے آپ کو ناپاک کر بیٹھے ہیں یا اللہ ہم بھی تہارت باتنی چاہتے ہیں تہارت حقیقی چاہتے ہیں ہمیں بھی سیدھا سچا سترا مسلمان بنا ہمیں بھی اپنا مخلص چاہنے والے بنا ہمیں بھی اپنے عباد صالحین میں شامل فرما یا اللہ ہمیں اپنے حقیقی طلب ہمیشہ نصیب فرما ہمیں اس نصیحت کو دل میں باندھنے کی توفیق عطا فرما ہمیں ہمیشہ نصیحت والے جگہ پر پہنچنے کی توفیق عطا فرما 
یا رب کریم ہمیں بڑے محفوظ سے محفوظ فرما بڑی یاد سے محفوظ فرما بڑے خیالات سے محفوظ فرما بڑے جذبات سے محفوظ فرما بڑے چانے والوں کی برائی سے محفوظ فرما برائی کی طرف لے جانے والے سے محفوظ فرما یا رب کریم ہمیں ہر قسم کی خیر اور برکت عطا فرما خیر کے راستے ہمیں نصیب فرما خیر کی پہچان ہمیں نصیب فرما یا اللہ ہمیں اس فرقان نصیب فرما فجور اور تقوی کی فرقان نصیب فرما ہمیں اپنے فطرت کو نصیب فرما یا اللہ یارب کریم ہم بھی آپ کو چاہتے چاہتے ہیں ہم بھی آپ کی محبت کرنے والے بننا چاہتے ہیں یا اللہ ہمیں بھی اپنے محبین میں شامل فرما ہمیں بھی اپنے محبوبین میں شامل فرما یا اللہ ہم ہر گناہ سے توبہ کرتے ہیں ہر غفلت اور سستی سے توبہ کرتے ہیں یا اللہ ہمیں سستی کے شکار ہیں اس سستی میں ڈوبے ہوئے ہیں یا اللہ اس سستی سے ہمیں نجات عطا فرما نفس سے نجات عطا فرما نفس کے دھوکوں سے نجات عطا فرما شیطان اور دنیا کے دھوکوں سے نجات عطا فرما یا اللہ یارب کریم ہمیں بھی محنت نصیب فرما قوت ارادے نصیب فرما یا اللہ اعمال کرنے کی توفیق عطا فرما یا رب کریم ہمیں نبی کریم صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کی محمد نصیب فرما ان کی سنت کی محمد نصیب فرما ان کی سیرت اور صورت کی محمد نصیب فرما ان کی سیرت اور صورت کے اتباع نصیب فرما ان کی ظاہر اور باطن نصیب فرما ان کی تعلیمات اور کیفیات نصیب فرما یا اللہ ہمیں ان کا مخلص امتی بنا ان کا سچا امتی بنا یا رب کریم ہمیں ایسے امتی بنا دیجئے کہ ہم ان کی دعاؤں کے مستاق بن جائیں کہ جن دعائیں نے اس امت کے لیے کی یا اللہ وہ دعائیں ہمارے حق میں بھی قبول فرما جو دعائیں صحابہ تعمیر نے امت کے لیے کی وہ بھی دعائیں ہمارے حق میں قبول فرمائیں یا اللہ جو دعائیں مفسرین محدثین فقہ اصولین اولیاء کاملین صدیقین اور صالحین نے امت کے نام پر کیے تھے جن لوگوں نے حجاج نے ابھی بھی امت پر نام پر کیے ہوں گے یا اللہ ہمیں بھی اس امت میں سمجھتے ہوئے ہمیں بھی ان دعاؤں کے حق میں قبول فرما یا رب کریم یا اللہ امت مسلمہ پر اپنے خصوصی رحم نازل فرما اور امت مسلمہ کو مظلومین پر اپنی رحم نازل فرما یا رب کریم ہمیں اپنا اطمینان والی زندگی کی قدر کرنے کی توفیق عطا فرما اور ان مظلومین کے لیے دعا اور خدمت کے لیے قبول فرما یا اللہ ہم بھی اس امت کا اچھا امتی اور امت کا اچھا فرد بننے کی توفیق عطا فرما یا اللہ جو بھی دین کی خدمت کر رہے ہیں جو بھی نصیحت کر رہے ہیں جو بھی احکامت کر رہے ہیں جو بھی تجدید کر رہے ہیں جو بھی احیا کر رہے ہیں یا اللہ ان تمام محنتوں اور کوششوں کو قبول فرما یا اللہ یارب کریم ہمیں اپنے اوپر محنت کرنے کے لیے کہ بھی قبول فرما یا اللہ ہم پہلے بھی توبہ کر چکے ہیں اور پہلے بھی جھوٹے ثابت ہو چکے ہیں ہم پہلے بھی ایمان لے کر آئے تھے اور پہلے بھی اس ایمان میں بھی جھوٹے ثابت ہو چکے ہیں یا اللہ اب ہم اس نفاق سے دور فرما ہمیں سچی توبہ کے لیے قبول فرما سچا ایمان کے لیے قبول فرما یا اللہ اس طلب اور طرب پر ہمیں استقامت نصیب فرما 
یا اللہ جس محبت سے ان لوگوں نے ہمیں بلایا جس محبت سے ان لوگوں نے ہماری باتیں سنی یا اللہ جو بھی خیر کی بات تھی ان کے دل میں اتار دیجیے اور جو بھی شر کی بات تھی ان کی دلوں سے اس سے محفوظ فرما اور یا اللہ ان کی محبت اور اخلاص کے عوض میں یا اللہ ان کو اپنی سچی محبت نصیب فرما ان کے آپ کے پاس جنت میں جگہ نصیب فرما ربنا تکمل منا ان کا انت سمی العلیم محمد